I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Always, always good to hear another beautiful soul onto the podcast. Thank you for being on today. I couldn't tell you how excited I am. This is awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, I always like to reach out to inspire and you're inspiring so many people. So what great way to continue to share your story is to, you know, invite you onto the podcast. So that's an honor for me and all the listeners on the PG podcast. Thank you so I, much. I appreciate that very much. Uh, getting the word out with what I need to say is, I believe, so important to this next generation. Yes, it is. And you already know who this is. It's definitely your favorite Tim Woman. <laughs> Start coming back at you once again with an utmost higher self, Amari. And we got Miss Denise Lynn on the line. On, she come in just all the fire, all the knowledge. And she's paving the way for so many people. She's an international best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and a coach to, to parents and college-bound teens, right? And that is so inspiring because I myself ain't left the teenage years not too long ago. So for you to be out here inspiring people the way you are, that means a lot. Also, you have a mission to inspire and educate and equip parents who take an active <coughs> role supporting their children and their life financial freedom. A lot of parents don't take time in their, their kids' financial wealth. So that, that makes it so much better that you're out here showing parents that how to do so. Well, thank you so much, Shar. I, I really believe that uh, it's not just that parents are not taking the time. I don't believe that parents were taught this themselves. Right. So how can you teach what you don't know? That's true. That's true. My mom, she taught me as much as she could about financial literacy. But as I got older, I learned there was much more to it. So like we said, it's the lack of knowledge that the parents have. So the fact that you stepped up to the plate and is sparing the knowledge to the parents, <coughs> they can they can spread to their kids that, that that's going to unify the communities in so many ways absolutely i agree and so it's also you said you know you shared that you're also a 20 year old homeschool veteran you homeschool your kids absolutely absolutely we homeschooled from kindergarten all the way through high school now before somebody thinks that i'm some martyr over here homeschooling my kids <laughs> all that time trust me i am not i homeschooled literally one textbook one year at a time we did not have a plan <laughs> you let them know like that was not that was i was not the one huh uh-uh it's <laughs> always you out here modeling the generations to be honest that's what it is you out here molding and shaping for generations to come so what made you become a public figure and to inspire well, I guess it, it began when I had no other place to turn. I'll be honest with you. And, and I believe that a lot of innovation starts place. We as a family were in a very difficult financial position. My husband had been laid off twice. Then the stock market crashed, which is where we had all our money. We didn't have anything in savings. And we had to use what was left in the stock market to pay the bills, pay the mortgage, pay the car note, and of course the groceries. And eventually, guess what? The money runs out. Right. And we went bankrupt. We had literally just enough money left to hire a bankruptcy attorney and buy a lawnmower and a trailer and start mowing lawns to put food on the table. Mm. So at that point, uh, maybe uh, six months to a year later, I realized, uh, we can't afford college for our kids. And with the bankruptcy, now we couldn't even co-sign for their student loans. 
So I was desperate to find a way for them to go to college. So did I intend to become a public figure and inspire others? No, that was not in the plan. Mm, it chose you. Man, I see you got you got so much knowledge to give, so much wisdom to give. And before we get any further into the podcast, what I always like to do, I always like the guests to get on and we open it up back, give it all back to the universe, give it all back to God. So if you open up in just a little small prayer, it doesn't matter to me what you believe in, but I do believe that we all can come together in unity and to know that a higher power does exist over all of us. Because without us, me and you, without the higher power, me and you, not be on the podcast today sharing so much knowledge and, and stories so would you like to lead the podcast in a short word of prayer i would love to i got my hands raised already <laughs> dear lord we are coming to you and we are we're bringing this to you we're giving it to you lord you do with it what you will and lord i pray that is your will to to inspire others to bring them to a point where that they're not slaves to debt because that's what the bible says debt is it is being a slave to the lender and lord i just pray that we can come together with unity and inspire these parents to consider an alternative way for their kids to get an education that they do not have to go into debt for that in your holy name amen Mm, came in with a powerful prayer i see you i see you so you, so you was talking about how you didn't expect um, to go into being a, pop, a public figure to uh, homeschool. You wasn't expecting a lot of things. Things happened and you had to adjust. So how did you know where to start? Well, in the beginning, I had no idea what I was doing. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. None whatsoever. <clears throat> I did a lot of research and I had a lot of nights on the computer until 1 and 2 a.m. And I, I'm serious about that. I finally, at one point, added up and it seemed to be like 7,000 hours of research and eventually I created a strategy that worked and my mission now is to inspire other parents to take an active role in helping their kids attend college debt-free. And I was that that resource right there could have been used I mean I'm, I'm pretty sure years ago so by you coming and doing research and stepping out to share that's going to help a lot of generations a lot of parents really is so you know you explained to me you know that that being a public figure wasn't always a passion of yours you know it wasn't something that you came up and woke up one day wanted to do so as you started your journey and you start researching and getting more and more to it what led you into becoming an international best-selling author and expand on the amazing book that you have well, I'll tell you that, as usual, that was an accident as well. Um, but you know what? The tr- I guess the truth is, if I back up and think about it, and look, I- I'm hoping that some of your people, that you- some of your audience, you know, are-, are believers. And to me, there's not much that happens by accident. Uh, I-, I firmly believe, and-, and everybody's got their own belief system, and that's just fine. I firmly believe that everything happens for a reason. God puts you in places for different reasons to impact other people's lives and for them to impact yours. So, you know, when you have knowledge of something that is so important, you just want to share it. And you and others feel that as well. Uh, I found a coach that understands how to market, how to market your books early in the process and what categories it works for. And also that the pre-launch process is just as important as the day a book goes public, which I had no idea about that. Uh, And as for most things that are successful, 
there actually is a path or a strategy that works, just like the strategy that I teach parents for debt-free college. Mm. And what was the name of the, the book that you... The book that I'm a part of is called Game Changer, G-A-M-E, Changer. And there's actually a series. It's Game Changers uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, and we're about to launch uh, book number five. I think it comes out in December. And my story is in uh, Game Changer 3 and 4, and I'll have another one in uh, in the fifth book. My own book that is just about what I teach, that is covering all about going to college debt-free and how to do it, that one is going to be launched in the next six months. Mm. And is there they're selling on certain platforms or can you get it on Amazon? It'll be sold on Amazon, definitely. Okay. Okay. Definitely be on the lookout for that. I know myself is going to be on the lookout for that. I love um, t- TEDx. And I love just reading about other people inspiring next and seeing the, the, you know, the knowledge that I can get from it. So definitely everyone be on the lookout for that book. Um, is there a title? You could say a game changer, right? Correct. The book Five. that's out right now is, is called Game Changer. The, uh, the, the previous books that I was in, Game Changers 3 and 4, those are on Amazon right now. And those I talk about my journey toward this toward getting you know the going out going without money and how do we manage that and everything we had to give up and believe me i don't know too many people who have had this type of financial devastation and uh, and then be able to come back from it the story that i have in there this year though in, in book number five is more to inspire people to look at their circumstances from a new perspective look at it as if the glass is half full and what can that do to change your life mm. Mm. that just touched me there <coughs> that touched me because you always want to live to inspire that's my motto that's what i live by and this right here is really paving the way could you let everyone know the name of your book, the one that um, you said that you help that helps parents? Well, it will be. It'll probably be called "Cracking the Code to Free College." That is my working title right now. Okay, so that's something to look forward to in the future. Absolutely. Okay. So, how did you start speaking on TEDx? Well, TEDx is marketed as ideas worth spreading. And I wanted to spread the word that college can be affordable for everyone if that's the path you want to take. That's another myth that we've been believing for the last 30 years, that you have to have a college education to be successful in life. That is so not true. No, it's not true. It's not. It's just not. I mean, you can be, as an example, you can be a mechanic or you can be a mechanical engineer. One of them requires a college education. The other one does not. They can both have the same income, both successful. It's what is best for you. Train mm-hmm. up a child in the way they should go. It's not about, you know, everybody has to have a degree. That's just not the truth. So in getting on TEDx, it's actually a process, again, a strategy. Each stage across the U.S. has a different or general theme for that stage or for that particular uh, event. So your topic has to fit that theme. Then there's an application, and you also have to send in a short video clip and then a committee <coughs> a committee evaluates the applications but you do have 
to start early because most TEDx stages have their speakers booked well in advance, sometimes six months in advance. And that's really about it. Mm. I never knew that, but I do love watching um, TEDx. And so, and they are very inspiring. I do love it too. Yeah, they are. And find out that you you had spoke on there. It got me excited because I'm like, no way. I watch this all the time. Right. That's great. And so that's amazing that you was able to get on there and speak to so many people and so many audience, um, even the ones that wasn't at the event, it was able to share it. So I like that. I, I like that a lot. What are some challenges did you face, you know, when you had to get on the stage? <coughs> if you faced any? Well, you know, as far as getting on a, a TEDx stage, it's, it's, I'm gonna call it a mindset thing. And I, I'm not a very... I'm not a woo person by any means. I'm I'm just not. I'm so far from woo. It's not funny. Uh, But, you know, practice, you know, practice makes perfect for anything. Right. And the same is true for pretty much anything that you do in life. Uh, You're going to have challenges. You're going to have challenges to overcome anytime that you're on a stage. I'll be honest with you. A while back in my church, I was asked to be uh, the leader of the women's women's organization in our church. And that required me to get on the stage and about once every week or so, let the ladies in the church know what was going on, what was coming up, et cetera, and get, of course, get support from the rest of the congregation. I was terrified to be in (laughs) front of people and speak on that microphone. But what's funny is that I've been singing on a stage since I was six years old. Mm. I do not get nervous singing, Mm -hmm. speaking totally different ball game, totally yeah. different thing. And what I learned from that experience, I mean, I, I literally would have to write a script and read from it. Even when it came down to the prayer, I would write a script and read from that in order to be able to speak it in a microphone on a stage. So, but the more you practice what it is that you're doing, the easier it becomes. And you realize that, you know what, those people that are hearing you, they don't care if you stutter. They, they don't care if you're wearing blue jeans or a dress. They don't care if your hair is not perfect. They don't necessarily care if your shoes aren't polished. You're there for a different purpose. You're there to inspire, to give a message of some kind. And when you can get past that point, being on that stage is really not that hard. Now, there were other challenges that I have to overcome or face when it comes to coaching parents of college children. <coughs> They have to overcome myths or beliefs that I believe are holding back both parents and teenagers today and have been for the last 30 years, to be honest with you. Mm. You see, I coach parents of middle through high school kids and in helping them put their kids through college debt free, as I've said. But we've been told for decades that, for example, you have to attend a name brand top 20 college to have success in life right that is so totally false it's not even funny right it's a lot of debt that's what it is it's it's nothing but debt uh another thing well let's just start real real quick i'll just mention the so-called rankings for colleges is nothing but a popularity contest there is no outside authority ranking colleges for student outcomes or education quality Mm. So parents need to know that right off the bat. That list is nothing that they need to be concerned about at all. Don't even look at it. Another myth that I have to overcome 
And this is where you come in, helping me spread this word. We've been told for years, wait until high school junior year to start taking those ACT or SAT exams, to start looking at colleges. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, scholarships begin way earlier than that. Getting yourself, your child ready to prepare for those exams begins way earlier than that. Uh, Getting those grades that they can get those scholarships begins way earlier than that. Taking, getting the, what I call the right activities during their high school years. And and that can be any activity. It doesn't mean a specific activity. And we can talk about that at another time. Another example is they say, don't take the ACT or SAT more than two or three times because it looks bad or your score won't increase if you take it more than that anyway. None of these things are are true. And I believe that believing in them is why 70% of college students have college debt and 30% graduate debt-free. Wow. That is crazy. So I'm pretty sure you could take the ACT multiple times and that way they take the highest score? Absolutely. As many times as you want, the ACT and the SAT, there is no limit. Of course, your finances are limiting because it does cost money to take the test. It's not free. Right. Uh, but here's another thing that most parents are not aware of. Both the ACT and the SAT, both exams, (coughs) offer three exams per year that if your student takes the exam on one of those three dates, you can pay an extra $20 and you can get that exact exam, the key, and your kids' answers. Now you, I swear to you, now they have something to study from, right? Now you know exactly what questions they got wrong. That is crazy. I did See, not know that at all. At most people don't. It, 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 you can build your own test bank, and now they have something to study from. It's awesome. Mm. So do, do you feel <laughs> that? Um, do you feel that that the lack of knowledge comes within the school, whether it's a private school, public school, charter Absolutely. school? Absolutely. It doesn't matter what school you go to, because I believe that. And in all honesty, I've heard this these myths said to by by, uh, high school counselors. Mm -hmm. I've heard it said by professionals like myself. Another myth. Let me just branch you one more. Many people have heard of the National Merit Scholarship. Right. Or the PSAT exam. Right. So they say, again, a myth is that the PSAT is a practice SAT. It is not. The PSAT is easier than the SAT exam because the PSAT was designed for 11th grade students. Wow. (laughs) Exactly. The SAT is designed for high school seniors for that level of knowledge. But most what's more important is that taking that exam, it's not a practice SAT. It is the it's called the preliminary SAT. And what it really is, is the qualifying exam to win the National Merit Scholarship. It's not the be-all, end-all because there's another application if you make it past that point. But what people have said, and I hear this even from professionals like myself, oh, well, hardly anybody gets to be National Merit Scholarship. You, You gotta be a genius to win that. If that were true, then every 
or you'd only have valedictorians as national merit scholars. Mm. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, there are 8,000 first place winners, 8,000 national merit scholars every year. Wow. What? There I, is not, I didn't know. There is not one scholarship other than that that has 8,000 first place winners every single year. The odds of becoming a National Merit Scholar are 1 in 200. Those are better odds than the local Ace Hardware Scholarship or Rotary Scholarship in your hometown where every high school senior from every high school is applying. Mm, so that, it, that, that brings the risk up higher. Exactly. It's just another exam. Just like the SAT and the ACT, it can be beaten just like those exams can with the right strategies. Now, you're... You, you can't be an idiot, right? I mean, you, you've got to have some knowledge, right. but the strategies is what makes it easier to be able to implement that exam, just like any other. Mm. <coughs> it just dropped a lot of knowledge on me right there. I did not know. I swear my senior year was doing preps and preps and preps, and I just did not understand half of it. And I know so many people had to take it over again. And they told us they like you said they told us not to take it more than three times because it was gonna right. it was gonna hurt. But I did hear like later along after I had graduated that they only take the highest score, so you can take as many times you just have to pay for it. But That's I did right. not, I did not know more in depth than what you were sharing. So now I know for my own kids. Well, think about it this way: there are about ten percent of the colleges and universities in the U.S that require you to send in all of the exams you ever took. Mm, all right. of the ACTs or all the SATs. Now, let me ask you this question. If the only reason that, if you're looking at that those exams and it's important to you to attend a specific school, that like you really need to attend an Ivy League school, well, I got news for you. The odds are really good. You're gonna be paying a lot of money mm -hmm. because they don't give scholarships anyway. They don't give merit scholarships based on those scores they don't they give money or discounts based on your family's income but not based on you know your test scores or your gpa in my opinion my my uh forte is the money right if if the money if the bottom line is important to you well then take that darned exam as many times as it takes to get the highest number you can to get the scholarships, to get the highest level of income. And let me just give you another quick example. Again, something people don't know about. My son had applied to his college that he wanted to go to. He got accepted his early, his senior year, he got accepted and they sent his little letter that says, here's how much of a scholarship we're gonna give you. Everybody was a happy camper. Well, after <laughs> that, he took the SAT exam, kind of for grins, but for another purpose. Well, the, the equivalent score for ACT was higher than what he had originally gotten. It was about uh, three points higher. So I called the school and I said, hey, he got a higher score. Does that put him in the running for a higher level scholarship? And they said, yes, ma'am, just send us the score. He got an extra $10,000. Wow. Even after having been admitted to that school and accepted to that school. But was it because he had a higher rating when he took the <coughs> test? They gave him because more he had a higher higher score equals higher money at many schools, and sometimes it's a guaranteed number. Sometimes you still got to jump through some hoops, 
go to an interview or send in another essay, whatever, but find out, ask the school, do you accept a later score, additional scores? And if so, what's the deadline? Because for some schools, January might be the deadline. Other schools, as late as June after they've finished high school. Right. So you, you, you don't know what you don't know is what I'm saying. So do you, do you feel that it doesn't really matter whether you go to private or charter school or public school? <coughs> it, it's the lack of knowledge that most parents have when it comes behind of it? 100%. 100% because, well, you know, I was homeschooling, okay, and we were able to manage this, and we didn't even have the advantage that a private school would have, or we didn't have, I, mean, I was the high school counselor for my kids, right? right? I didn't know anything, but learning these techniques, these tips, these strategies make a huge difference, you know, uh, one of the things that helped me along the way, again, early on, my daughter, I believe, was, oh, she was probably 12, 13 years old. And a lady at our local bookstore was holding a little one-hour class talking about high school and getting into college. I said, we've got time. Let's just go and see what she's got to say. And she was imparting some knowledge about high school resumes and how important it is. Mm. Well, most of us, you know, we've heard of a resume. You, you need it for an employment. You need it for your job. That's not what she was talking about. She was talking about a high school to college resume. It's a different, it's a different animal. This, it looks a lot like it, but not really, because its purpose is to help you get everything organized and have everything together for those college applications. So knowing that early, we were able to start her resume, which by the way, begins as soon as they finish eighth grade, the summer mm. between eighth grade and ninth grade is considered your first high school summer. So anything your kids do during that summer, are they helping at the church vacation Bible school? You know, are they reading, you know, Awana verses or helping at the, the soundboard in church or whatever, you know, what are they doing that summer? That is your first high school summer. Start writing everything down because it will be important. That, that is so helpful. I didn't know that either. I, I would thought that, um, I'm guessing because the eighth grade summer year begins the ninth grade year. I'm guessing that's why they would be considered um, the summertime of their senior, I mean, of their high school year. Absolutely. Okay. I didn't know that. Man, I, I wish I wish I've known in school, but I didn't know as far as about the resume. I can't say that. I didn't know as far as about the resume, um, the college resume. I had a teacher that taught us that, and I was able to get into the school that I wanted to because of the college resume. Excellent. I didn't know that. I didn't know that part. That was and, and I did. In my class, I also, not only do I teach parents how to create this particular high school to college resume, but I also explain how do we change this resume for college internships and postgraduate employment? Because today, it's a lot different than it was when I was coming out of school. Back then, you walked into a, a company and you handed them a resume. Mm -hmm. or you answered an ad in the newspaper, right? right? Today, almost everything is done online. Hardly anything is done in person. And guess what? Your resume or your or your, your application for employment goes through a computer. It has to have so many keywords, so many checks, so many check boxes before it ends up into a person's hand, into, into a manager's hand to decide whether or not they want to interview you or hire you. 
So you could probably have a really good resume, but because it doesn't have um, a specific amount of keywords, it'll get overlooked. Well, let me, that's exactly right. And let me just give you another example. When my daughter was, and this is just a scholarship example, but it, it follows the exact same principle. When my daughter was applying to one of the big scholarships, and the one that she applied to was called the Coca-Cola Scholars. This is one that gives like mm-hmm. 20 grand and more, right? It's real money. They give a lot of. Mm-hmm. My, my daughter had a really good, uh, what I call impressive high school resume. She was a ballroom dancer. She had been ballroom dancing from the age of nine. Uh, she was an instructor. She taught ballroom dancing. She taught for uh, not only for pay, but also as a volunteer. It was part of her community service. Uh, she had, oh, probably 400 hours of community service under her belt. Wow. She did, a, And she did a lot of other activities as well. But she could not check enough boxes. This application begins with about nine pages of check boxes of typical high school activities and leadership roles. She couldn't check enough boxes. She wasn't on, quote, the high school dance team or the high school, uh, you know, government, student government. But my son was coming up five years after her, five years behind. Right. I still had that application. And I show this in my course as well. When you know what the scholarships are looking for, you can devise, you can plan for your child to be able to check enough boxes <coughs> to make it through the next level. So basically, I partnered with another homeschooling mom and we were able to create opportunities for our kids to be able to check enough boxes. Right. My son was able to make it to that next level, which gives you an opportunity to actually explain what you do for your activities, for your community service, what have you. Right. And he was able to become a Coca-Cola semifinalist. Because mm, you knew, <coughs> you went through it the first time and you knew, okay, this is why, you know, she wasn't able to check them in his boxes. So he was able to make, uh, not make, but he was able to create his resume so that he could be able to check the amount of boxes that was needed to get to the next level for that scholarship. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is, that is crazy. And he, you'll think... You would think that, well, I would think that there would still be people um, looking at the actual resume, but it's getting audited by a computer. That's the first place it goes. And you can understand. I mean, it makes sense, right? You've, you don't have 15,000 people reading these applications. You've got, you know, maybe a, a group of 10, right, in a room, but you've got 200,000 applications coming in. Right. So they've got to weed it down somehow. And the same is true for the employers. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a big name employer, especially that, you know, it's different if it's a local company. But if it's a big name employer, they they don't have enough resources to read everything and put them in right piles and whatnot. And it's just not going to happen. Right. So you can expect that. That's something you can expect. But the way that you're you're teaching it, you're showing mothers and even um, college students or preteens how to go around that barrier so they can actually get the education they need and funds. Absolutely. And it it all came from learning from experience. Uh, My son's first year coming out of uh, college, not out of college, first year in college, his second year, he was applying for his uh, internships, summer internships. He put out well over, well over 300 applications for that summer and didn't hear a thing. (laughs) 
Man, that's crazy. I said, something's wrong with this picture. And that's, again, when I started doing the research and I realized, oh my gosh, these things are going through a computer. There's not enough keywords. But there was actually another thing going on here. His college, his university, you could not submit, let me put it this way. They had a college and career office or whatnot. And companies or corporations uh, would put stuff on their website and you could go and apply to those jobs, which was awesome. But to be eligible, your resume had to fit a particular format that they wanted and that the school wanted. Mm. One, one of those things, and y'all parents, listen up. One of the things that they wanted was that nothing from high school could be on this resume. Really? That is That was the rule. Nothing from high school can be on this resume. Well, come on. What college student has a darn thing on their resume? Right. Right? I mean, they're too busy studying even if they do want to participate in an activity and if they do it's one right it's one you know one group that they're that they're you know homing in on you know mm -hmm. once a week maybe or once every couple of weeks if it doesn't interfere with an exam but you're too freaking busy when you're a college student true so there wasn't very much so after looking through this i realized okay there's got to be something we're missing here yes we were missing the keywords but part of when you look at applications or, or job descriptions they're still looking for the same things that your kid did in high school. They're looking for leadership. They're looking for communication skills. They're looking for teamwork. They all want to see that. So if your kid had that opportunity to be a leader or in something, and look, leadership does not mean you have to be president or vice president. Leadership can be, uh, let's see, they can be the historian. They took pictures for the scrapbook. They went around the neighborhood asking for donations for the fundraiser. Those are leadership roles. So anything, there's a lot of things that are leadership, not just what you think. But right. these have to be on this resume for a job, regardless of whether it came from high school or college. So once I figured out that, I also realized that guess what? When you put skills like mm -hmm. this on a resume, there's no date on those skills. No, it's not. There's no date. So who cares if it came from high school? You know, if, if your child got up and did the reading at church on that resume, you can legitimately put communication skills, spoke to groups of 200 or more. That is crazy. Giving them what they want, right? Basically and it's, it's, it's a true statement. It is a true statement, but it's the way that you word it that makes the impact. If you babysit, that's childcare. Right. You were running a childcare business. It's self-employment childcare. Right. Oh, I like that, man. Dropping so many knowledge for all the moms, all the single parents out there, um, parents that's together. It doesn't matter. This is something that can help your kids for generations to come. Um, I wish my mom. Absolutely. I wish she knew about some of that because I know for a fact um, when it came to jobs, she would tell us that same thing. Um, filling out the resume it's all about the keywords but I did not know that when it came to a college application yeah I didn't know it either and look I was the starving college student I know today we don't have too many of those but uh, I, I got I went to school on the Pell Grant so my family didn't have any money but I also had to work three jobs just because a family you know is is eligible for financial aid for federal financial aid does not mean you get to go to college for free mm -hmm. you still have to make up the difference so i had three jobs 
but I still had trouble making ends meet. I literally, and I'm not proud of this, but I literally had to take slash lift food from the college cafeteria during the week so I could have food on the weekends because my meal plan didn't cover the weekends. It was just five, you know, five days a week. So uh, on, on Thursday and Friday, I would bring out of the cafeteria a paper cup with some milk in it and another paper cup with cereal so I could have breakfast. And for another meal, I would bring in, we always had fried chicken once a week. So I would bring a piece of fried chicken in one of those paper cups and an apple in another. And that's how I would eat. So, you know, I didn't want my kids to go through that, to, to be worried about not only where your next meal is coming from, but also, can I afford college? Is the tuition check going to clear? Am I going to have enough money? Right. Right. And then right there, that was, that was me, right? I, I went on to school with a basketball scholarship and things happened and I wasn't, I wasn't the person that had a parent that had um, all the money in the world. So I was also on, on had financial aid too. And things happened, you know, here and there, things happened. And I wasn't <laughs> able to um, come back because I had a hold on to my account because I owed school. So yeah. And I, pe- yeah, people also think that athletes get full ride scholarships. That's also not true. No, that's not true. And even sometimes you do, you still, um, you still have to, well, just like you said, provide for yourself while you're there and they don't yeah, allow and you to work. That's right. And you can, you can also lose scholarships. Mm-hmm. Maintaining those scholarships is also another burden, but it's, it's something you have to consider, uh, with the entire thing you you have to decide what's important to you and your family you know and your future your kids future what is what is more important that debt that is going to have them saddled with that debt for 20 years or more right you know so yeah i like that you said that it's about what is important to you what made it so important that you had to walk this path in educating and speaking well in all honesty it hurts my heart when I hear parents say that their kid has hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, or that debt is the only way, because it's not. It's not. I was, it's not. I, I was looking at a, a, a post recently on Facebook. Somebody had written in there, is a full ride scholarship, meaning everything's paid for, including books, is a full ride scholarship like winning the lottery? No. Now that can be taken two ways. It can. Okay. Either it's like, Winning the lottery meaning it's a crap or winning the lottery meaning woohoo, I won the lottery. Well, it's it's actually the woohoo part, right? And a lot of the responses, what was funny about it is that there were way more responses than I expected. A lot of the responses were my kid was offered a full ride scholarship. My kid was offered a full ride scholarship. My kid was offered a full ride scholarship. Once in a while, you would hit someone that said, my kid had awesome SAT scores, perfect GPA, and still was not offered a full mm-hmm. ride scholarship. Now, I want parents to listen to this. There are more than 4,000 colleges and universities in the US. Wow. That parent chose poorly. That parent and student chose poorly because there are schools that will give full ride scholarships based solely on your GPA and test scores. You work hard enough, your kid works hard enough to get those up. There is a school out there that will give you money. But you've got to find the right, right school. That's what I'm about to say. It's all about finding that right school that caters to what you want. Absolutely. Mm. 
There's some nuggets out here. See, help me with my kids in the future. I'll be able to help them where my I lack them, where my mom. <coughs> I'm so glad I was able to connect with you and get you on to the podcast. And as you said, yes to sharing your story. That means so much to me because I could be able to use this for my kids too and sharing it with so many people. Please. I want everybody to know that this is doable. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. You know, I've heard people say, oh, well, because I've said 600,000 college students graduate debt-free every year. Well, somebody said, oh, well, that's just not very many. I said, it's 30% every year and it doesn't matter what the economy is doing look we just had a a, a pretty bad slump in our yes, economy yes we did right and i still had three as a matter of fact since then three companies have called me to say hey we're offering a new scholarship for a 500 or a thousand dollars would you mind putting that you know on your website for your students what so you have you have a website that you provide for your students and parents that's onto your courses Correct. Yes. The the parents that work with me have access to a list of scholarships. They have a list of uh, of colleges that offer scholarships and what the GPA and test score is that's necessary and whether or not that it's a guaranteed scholarship or if there's more hoops they have to jump through. So what's the website that, that they can go visit and just look at uh, to get more information? Well, the website is getaheadoftheclass.com. And if they contact me there's a contact at the bottom of the page if they contact me and tell me that they heard me on this podcast i will have a smoking offer for Let's them because go. right now <laughs> look the uh the, the it it looks like it's a lot of money but when you get down to the discount that i will offer just from listening to you because i believe in what you're Thank doing you. They can handle it. I promise you. They can manage this. I'll even offer a, uh, a a payment plan if they feel like they need it. I want everyone to understand: you do not have to have college debt. You don't. If hey, if I could do it homeschooling my kids, for God's sakes, everybody can do it, right? You know, mm-hmm. we didn't even have anything. And so. that's why you did this homeschooling. So shout out to you. Absolutely. You was out here definitely wanting to know more about your kids' future and how to help others. You didn't just keep it to yourself. You know. Exactly. So you, was, you said that exactly. you started homeschool. Um, was homeschooling easy for your children, or why did you start homeschooling them in the beginning? Well, I began homeschooling for several reasons. My daughter began reading long before our school district expects children to read. And in my opinion, I thought, you know, she might get bored really quickly. And to me, bored children can become troublemakers. That's the last thing I wanted her to be a bully or a troublemaker in right. school. And and I also had friends and relatives that were teachers in different states at the time. And they told me some things that they were seeing that was changing in education. And I didn't like what I saw. And frankly, neither did they. So it was easier than I thought to homeschool because I schooled one year, one textbook at a time. And it wasn't until we got to high school that I nearly panicked knowing the decisions that I would make for high school would impact their acceptance to college. Mm. So you knew it was kind of like game time from there. Exactly. Were you ever homeschooled? I was not. I didn't even know it was a thing. And, uh, you know, my daughter was, I think, 12 years old when she asked, hey, mom, can we homeschool high school? Mm. Um, That was when, that was my first freak out moment (laughs) about homeschooling high school. Because first I'm thinking, is it legal, right? right. And then it's like, oh my God, uh, high school means college and the responsibility is going to weigh on me. Right. 
to make sure that they can get accepted and you know how's that going to work out so yeah yeah i freaked out a little bit <laughs> what, what, well, what advice would you think is <coughs> what advice would you give to the parents um that's homeschooling their children that can they can use as far as advantages well if you're thinking about homeschooling and or if you're forced into it right now there's there's definitely a lot of things that that are advantages for homeschooling first of all your children you you nobody wants more for your kids than you do i guarantee it no one wants more for them than you do as a parent you get to know what they're learning when you're homeschooling you get to know and learn how is it that your kids learn best so you can change their curriculum in a way that your child learns best whatever's best for them right, right? you also get to teach your values within the curriculum that you're using you can you can learn what sparks their interest for example when my kid was oh i guess my son was probably oh he was probably 14 13 14 years old and we would send him to a summer camp now i'm one that okay let me back up just a little bit when i was a kid my mother learned about vacation bible school mm-hmm. and every year we went to vacation bible school <laughs> because <love> <laughs> That was a that was a free week for her, right? She could send four kids and she'd get a half a day for a whole week to herself. So, we learned about that. So, my kids went to vacation Bible school, and matter of fact, I sent them to as many vacation Bible schools as I as they would as as I could get them in, right? So, I'd have several weeks uh throughout the summer. If there were other opportunities, other camps, which by the way, when you're thinking about sending your kid to a camp, those camp uh registrations are early in the year they're january february so you need to start looking early if you wait until uh april or may to look for a summer camp they may be mm-hmm. full so look look early to see what's available because many of them are free or discounted or really really inexpensive so almost everything i sent my kids to was free with one exception <coughs> there was one camp now one summer i sent my son to five camps We get to this last camp and on day 1 my son says, "So tell me again why am I going to this camp?" <laughs> <coughs> I said, "Well, my job as a parent is to give you opportunities. Your job is to find your passion." Now, I want parents to understand that. My job is to give you opportunities. Your job is to find your passion. And these opportunities do not have to cost a lot of money if anything at all. There are plenty of opportunities out there. So my son goes to this camp and on the last day, of course, being a boy, he's not telling me very much anything all week long. At the last day when I'm bringing him home, we're we're leaving the door and we're walking to the car. I stopped on the sidewalk and I said, "Son, you haven't told me a thing all week long. At least tell me what you liked or what you didn't like about this camp." give me some feedback let me know whether or not we're going to do this again or if I need to find a different you know whatever this is what he said he said well i really liked the robots and then he backed up he said no what i really liked was programming the robots so as a youngster he had an opportunity for one day probably an hour two hours in his little class that they had at the camp to learn a little bit about computer programming to program this robot they didn't do much i'm sure it was just one line of code right just to make something happen but he liked that 
I said, son, we can do this. A, we're homeschooling, so I can choose what elective classes, what extras we want to do for our homeschool. So I found an online curriculum that I ordered. And that next year, I taught a class for middle school and for high school for our homeschool group, which, by the way, if you're a homeschooling parent, you can do that and get paid to do it. So just so you know. Um, so I taught my kids the high, how to do this little bit of homeschool, little programming there. Fast forward, I don't know, eight years. My son is in college. His degree is mechanical engineering with an aerospace engineering minor. And his forte is the computer-aided design. That is what he lives to do. So you never know what to expect when you're giving your kids these opportunities. Shar, are you there? I can't hear you. Did I lose you? Shar, did I lose you? It says we're still recording. I cannot hear you, sweetheart. <laughs> 